Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Oh, welcome back, Arizona. Beautiful Sunday morning. And looks like Gabriel has uh, three lines open. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, how to grow it, where to grow it, why to grow it. If you've got a different idea, a different solution, some fun, some fun plant you're growing at home that's different, or a way to help take care of our gardens, we're all ears and all here to learn. Uh, take our next caller this morning. Looks like Maggie in Sun City. Good morning, Maggie. Good morning. Good to talk to you. I've got a few questions for you. One concerning my yellow bell. It now has brown pods all over it. Do you take those off? Maggie, it'll look a lot prettier if you just prune them off. Um, You know, it's that they've had that flower cycle. Just shear it all back, take a foot off the whole plant, and it'll pop right back with new growth, and it'll cycle and flower again. Okay. All right, and another one, it, are coffee grounds good to pour on um, uh, potted plants in your house or even outside on your trees? Coffee grounds are wonderful, and everything will enjoy them. I would use them for the plants that are the most in need, and those are the ones that like more acidic soils than what we have, and that would include a lot of different kinds of flowering plants and different things. But coffee grounds uh, are one of the easiest ways to maintain a low level of you know, dropping the pH to a certain moderate degree for a lot of plants. And if you're going to put them in a vegetable garden, if you're going to put them in your favorite house plant, which most of those, you know, come from neutral pH uh, type of, you know, areas, uh, to putting them, you know, in a, basically in a rose bush. They'll work fine on everything. Well, very good. Well, then, if the grounds are good, what about black coffee? Well, I'm drinking mine here right now, and, uh, you know, I started off with my grandmother, only then it was about half cream, and we had to put it in the saucer and blow on it to cool it off. So unless you get your saucer, you know, your coffee saucer and blow it, it's not as good, but you'd be better off with the cream than the coffee. The coffee's going to help as well. It's not going to hurt anything, Maggie, and it's going to be, it's going to actually have a lower pH than the coffee grounds themselves will as you brew it. So it's probably better even than the coffee grounds are, but it's kind of expensive. You could use a little oh. vinegar to do the same thing. Oh, well, I always have leftover coffee, black Well, coffee. that's fine. You know, just go out and just, you know, don't pick a favorite. Just spread it around. It'll work great. Well, I'm planning to use it on my fiddle leaf plants, potted plants. Okay. But, you know, that, those- that would be something I wouldn't do it every single day because actually at that rate you might drop the pH down lower than it wants to be. Um, kind of hard with our water, but it still might happen. But, you know, if, you, if you're, if you're you know, not picking a favorite, catching a different one every day, <laughs> once a week's not going to hurt anything. Okay, very good. Well, thank you. I will certainly employ what you have given me. <laughs> Enjoy your Easter. Thanks, Maggie. Bye-bye. The, thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Well, it's a beautiful morning out here, and Byron's not feeling his love right now. I can see the look in Byron's eye. Um, he's got open lines. Give him a call. The number to call 602-277-5827. 
we have Byron and filling in today uh, for little Julia, who gets Easter off. And um, it's very nice of Byron to be here. I haven't seen him for a long time, and uh, we enjoy him being here with the program. But don't let him feel lonely back there. Wait till you hear the great music he's got coming up. But just give him a call at 602-277-5827. Chad and Gilbert, good morning. Good morning. How are you today, Brian? Excellent, Chad. Hey, I purchased from you all 24 sour orange trees, five gallons last March. So mm-hmm. we're at about 14 months, 15 months now. Okay. And two questions I have for you. Uh, arborist. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not an expert at this. I was hoping to bring somebody out here to give me some advice. Do you recommend or have an arborist that I could come out to help me? We really don't. Uh, not particularly, sure. especially not to pick one from another. Um, it's kind of why I do the program here is to kind of make it, you know, pretty informative to you. We've got very knowledgeable people at the nursery that we just don't have enough to staff to always get out and see things. What, what kind of plants are you having a problem with? Uh, not a problem. Just want to make sure that I, I'm feeding them properly. I'm out in Power Ranch and the okay. soil's pretty, seems pretty sandy. So between, this is kind of my second question, mm-hmm. between fertilizing mm-hmm. What can I put down to keep the nutrients in that soil for those? Well, your soil, you your soil is not that sandy. Um, okay. I mean, there, there's a lot of sandy or a lot more porous soils than that. You're on the edge of the clay zone. So, you know, it's not that sandy. And it's going to retain, you know, pretty much everything pretty well. Let me ask you this, Chad. How do you water? So uh, about every four weeks I water with a hose. And then otherwise it's a drip. Okay. Uh, irrigation. Yes. And how often do you run your drip? Uh, about every five days. Okay. For about okay. an hour. And how large are your emitters? Uh, I believe it's uh, five gallons. Is it an hour? Five gallons an could hour? Be, yeah, yeah, they're five gallons, of, they're reasonably common size. Anyway, you, you, you probably could space it out a little further in your waterings once a week. Okay. And then you need to probably water a little longer, but you're really helping a lot by doing that. If you're flooding them with a hose once a month, that's really very helpful. So I would just up the time a little bit and space them out to once a week. And if you want those young sours to grow fast, fertilize them. And you really want to feed them once a month. Okay. And you could do that. Okay. That Organo Pro citrus food we have works very well. Moderation is the key. Walk through there like you're feeding chickens and sprinkle some right down the right down the row. And uh, But if you'll do that once a month and keep the nitrogen up, and what's good about that one, that has sulfur and iron. So it's really kind of a shotgun approach to fertilizer, Chad. You know, it varies a little bit from soil to soil, but that's pretty pretty well balanced, and it's kind of designed here for our soil having the extra sulfur and iron in it. If you'll do that, those little sours will grow fast, and uh, that makes a big difference to them. Perfect. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank have you. Have a great Easter. Have fun. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Lona in Phoenix. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Um, I was just wondering, I have two mulberry trees uh, up north here in uh, the Desert Hills area. Mm-hmm. They have partially died, I think, from maybe the late freeze that we had. I was wondering... Can we trim it back and save the two trees, or should I just, like, pull the whole trees and replant? Lona, how old are they? Uh, I want to say five years old. Okay, so a five-year-old mulberry should be a weed. So we got to figure out what's... older than five. Well, even even a 10-year-old mulberry is young. You know, 25, 30 years old, they start to have a problem. How do you water them? Um... Twice a week, uh, they're on a drip system, and then he deep waters once a week. 
Okay, that that's more than they should have to have. Once a week, deep watering should be fine. If you'll fertilize okay. them in deep water once a week, they, they should be pretty healthy. Uh, are there any weeds growing around them? No. Why not? Uh, because we have quarter minus down around them. Okay, but it didn't, you know, rain and is any pre-emergent or weed control? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think what you've probably done is use a herbicide around them that's hurting the tree. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh-huh. I, I would bet, you know, a, a particular brand it would be, comes in about a gallon jug and you buy it at Home Depot. And it's, yep. And, and what happens is it tells you it's going to keep the weeds away for a year, you know? Uh-huh. Any chemical that you buy that says it's going to work for a year that's not a pre-emergent is going to be harmful to your plant. So what you've done, you've poisoned them, Okay. And uh, to fix the poisoning, there's only one cure. It's time. Now, the first thing you want to do is you want to take that chemical in your garage and throw it away. Okay? Okay. And then you want to write a letter to the manufacturer. Please don't sell this to the public again. And after you've done those things, uh, it's just going to take some time. And it'll eventually come back and grow. But that's going to take a year to happen. Okay? So just be patient. The little guy's not going to necessarily die. It's usually not lethal. But it stunts all the new buds and all the new growth, and it just really hurts the plant. And you're way better off okay, having it, having weeds in a healthy tree than you are having a dead tree. And just okay, well, it, I mean, it's like the the top part of the tree is dead, but mm-hmm. the bottom branches are blooming. Mm-hmm. So and and it, it's just trying to grow, but it can't because it's being poisoned. Okay. Okay. So, but it it it, it will clear up. So just keep it kind of pruned. Okay. Let it go through this summer. It's not going to improve very much this summer if you use you know weed control or this 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 year. It's going to take it a year for it to get out of your soil system. Okay. And when it does get out of your soil system next year, there'll be spring. You know, Easter is really cool for us because it happens once a year. And next Easter, you know, if you're just kind of nice, keep it alive. Next Easter, it's going to bust out and grow like crazy. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, looks like it's time for a short break. We're going to come back with Howard and Hector. But if you'd like to be up after Hector, you can give Byron a call at 602-277-5827. It's Byron, Gabriel, and Brian here with the Whitfield Nursery this Easter Sunday on 92.3 FM KTAR. Have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you? For the kindness you've shown Lord help me Jesus I've wasted it So help me Jesus I know what I souls in your hands 
me, Lord. If you think there's a way I can try to repay all I've taken from you, maybe, Lord, I can show someone else. What I've been through myself on my way back to you. Lord, well, welcome back, folks. It's kind of hard to interrupt Chris Christopherson, but uh, we do have full lines. So, as one's gone, one's open. The number to call for Byron is 602 277 5827 277 KTAR. Howard and Cibola, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking uh, my call. Hey, I'm I'm in an area, um, so I'm right next to the Colorado River. Just um, you know, about Bo- Cibola Valley is about 15 miles south of uh, Blythe. Yeah, in La Paz County, County right? Side. Yeah. Yep, it is. The, the The soil out there has got a lot of alkaline in it, mm-hmm. and um, I've you know it grows great uh, mesquite trees with the thorns, but mm-hmm. I'd like to grow something else out there, like a little small tree or some brush, uh, some uh, shrubs that that will will withstand the alkaline in the soil. Howard, how do you water? I mean, I really haven't. I mean, I didn't water that much because, um, you know, most of the stuff uh, just, you know, grew without well, a lot of water. Well, and you it. have a lot of native stuff there. But, you know, the, the key is this, Howard. What do you have for a water supply? Um, Colorado River. Okay. So you have river water? Yep. So you have great water, okay? So you can grow anything you want to grow there uh, by watering. Okay, and what the water does is it leaches the salts down away from the plants. And uh, but if you want to be kind of you know work with things that would work in there with that, um, jojoba plants will do wonderful there. You know you're going to have to water them when they're young. When they're mature, you won't have to. Um, and so most of our desert plants are going to do pretty well. And if you want a mesquite that, that's strong that doesn't have uh, thorns, we grow one called an American mesquite, and it'll grow without water after time. But initially, while it's young, you're going to water it. But it's a hybrid. It's a cross between an Arizona mesquite, a honey mesquite, an Argentinian, and a Chilean. So it's a four-way cross. And hence, we named it America because it goes from North to South America. But um, that's a really good mesquite if you want a strong tree that will stand up to the winds, take 115 to 20 degrees, and be healthy there and would make a nice shade tree. You can also grow pistachios there, and they're pretty salt-resistant. You know, and okay. that would be if you wanted a, more of a canopy shade tree. Uh, and by watering these trees, you're going to leach all the salts away. You know, and, and okay. so it's really critical when you have very salty soil, which a lot of Arizona does, and tremendous amount of alkaline in our soil, is to overwater, basically, is what we consider it. So what you would have to normally do to replenish the water for the root system, you're just going to give it extra, and that's going to push the salts away from the roots. And that's why okay. we talk about watering. A friend of mine, Gary Lojoy, kind of trained me on this. He was a, a crop expert for Salt River Project. You know, and he taught me this years ago is that, you know, the key to leaching out salts is to water deep and let things dry out. But if you'll do that, and if you want to make it even a little better, you could add some sulfur or some gypsum around your plants once in a while, and that'll help too. 
But uh, you'll have no problem at all. If you've got Colorado River water, you know, that's a gift from heaven here in the state of Arizona. And that water quality is excellent. And you can push the salts away from your plants and they'll do fine. And then just plant by in accordance with what you want to grow. And if you want it to be able to kick back over and go back natural or, or ones that are going to, you know, withstand it without any additional water, you know, look for more native desert species. And there's a lot of beautiful plants in our desert from brittle bush to jojobas to ocotillos to, you know, our saguaros and different varieties of cactus we have, the Engelman prickly pears. I mean, we have so many different kinds of plants in our native desert, you know, selection to choose from. The fire barrels that grow out in that area, you know, there's just a lot of really cool plants. So I, I would kind of kind of stick native water to get them established. If you want more of a leafy tree by a patio or something, I think a pistachio would be an excellent choice. Okay. Very good. Thanks, Thank Howard. Thank you very much. Appreciate uh, the call. Bye-bye. bye-bye. Hector out in Sun City. Good morning, Hector. Good morning, sir. Happy Easter. To you as well. Uh, question for you. I have a terracotta pot. It's about two foot, three foot tall, and it has a two foot round mouth on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mounted it on uh, on rollers. That way we can put it anywhere we want to. My wife is looking to plant some plumbago. Would that be okay in a pot like sure. that? Oh, in that big a pot, no problem at all. You know, okay, it's uh, plumbago is an easy plant to grow. It really likes summer sun. You know, I mean, full south side sun. You know, most of the year. And if you could move it to an eastern exposure where it gets morning sun in the summer, uh, it'll bloom ten months a year. Okay, and uh, rose bushes don't do too good in pots, do they? They'll do fine. You know, you just also? want to have the yeah, want to have the soil accordingly. So you wouldn't want to have just straight potting soil in that large pot, Hector. You'd want to mix some native soil in it, and that soil you have in Sun City is pretty heavy clay. So if you could mix in like one third of your native soil there from the from the ground, uh, with two thirds of a good potting soil, uh, you can certainly grow roses there. And the roses are just like the plumbago; they're going to want full sun until it gets hot, and then put them on the east side for the heat of the summer. And um, and they'll do great. Okay. I mean, you well, have a you lot know. of options with a pot that big, and especially with the fact you can move it. And um, there's just an awful lot of choices, Hector. Okay. Well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Happy Easter. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Uh, Audrey and Gilbert. Good morning, Audrey. Hi. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. I'm on the road, but hopefully the signal will not break up. Um, my question is, we live in Northeast Gilbert. We also actually have a property in Flagstaff, and we love lilacs. We're from the East Coast, and we, uh, you know, in Boston and New New England, they grow well. Mm -hmm. And in Northern California, where we moved from, we had some success Mm -hmm. with one type of lilac. Can we grow lilacs in Arizona? Absolutely in Arizona, because it's a big state, you know, and like you're talking, the difference between Gilbert, you know, and Flagstaff is tremendous. Uh, I would recommend buying the lilacs up in Flagstaff. You've got some very good nurseries up there. Uh, Now, forget about them in Phoenix. It's not cold enough, you know, or Gilbert. It's not cold enough. No, we can't grow lilacs down here and have them bloom and perform well. But I'm sure there are varieties that will work well in Flagstaff. And I'd go to Walter's Nursery, one of those good nurseries up there in Flagstaff, and go see them. And and I would deal with the local people there with the local experience as far as the best cultivars for there, and I'm sure they'll treat you well. Okay, great. Is there any is is there different varieties then? I mean, we'll just figure it out. But well, there uh, are a lot. But I would, but like I say, I, I would talk to the yeah. local expert. I, I would go to their nursery, 
and see the varieties they have. And, and, you know, look, you know, it's kind of funny. It's kind of, I will notice this when I used to work with my grandfather a lot. And this one, I I was a teenager and he was, you know, he's 55 years old or he passed away now, but he was 55 years older than me. But it's it's when you go to the nursery, it seems like there's two experts. Nobody ever thinks that the kid will tell you a story, you know? So the real young people. And everybody knows that the old people know everything. Now, (laughs) there's a lot of people (laughs) in between, but I think if you go up there and and speak with him at the nursery and and talk to somebody there who, uh, you know, just ask him, you know, about lilacs there, you'll find somebody there, I'm sure, that's very knowledgeable. They can give you all kinds of wonderful local information, and that's going to work the best for you, Audrey. Right. And surprise, surprise, uh, the property that we had, we bought in November, mm-hmm. the tulips are coming up on this property. And I, <laughs> we had no idea. So you never know what's going to grow up there you when you know. buy something in the fall. Well, you know, we, we've got a lot of little different tubers that we grow at our house, too, that are kind of fun that pop up even here in the desert. But, no, you know, Flagstaff right. has got a short season, and uh, and there's there's a lot of different varieties of lilacs, but they'll, they'll give you the best information. Hey, thanks Excellent. for calling, and, and have a have Thank fun you. up there. Bye-bye. Yep, bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got uh, Dean and AJ. Hello, Dean. Hey, good morning, sir. Thanks for taking my call, and happy Easter. You as well. Hey, uh, we live up um, north of Apache Junction, up against the Goldfield Mountains. There, mm-hmm. our our ground is really rocky, very rocky, and then there's it seems like there's a good amount of clay content. And um, some of the th- some of the things grow well there, but others it seems like they just aren't going anywhere. Um, we we planted a desert willow, you know, out of a 15 gallon bucket, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it seems to be doing okay, but it's not really growing much does that make there, sense well there's a lot of different varieties dean there's a desert diva which is kind of more of a dwarf one there's bubba which okay. is a big purple one you know and desert willows start off white in california they're pink in arizona these darker colors come from texas but you know you do have very unique kind of volcanic soil with that heavy clay and you have to treat it just as if it were solid heavy clay because it doesn't drain very well so up okay. there what you want to do you're you're kind of by gold canyon and up through there um, it's just directly north of Apache Junction. Yeah, okay. Uh, so anyway, when you get to that type of soil, you're going to treat it like it's clay. So you're not going to water very often. You're going to water like once a week, okay, and deep okay. water. And it's going to retain a lot of your nutrients, and it's going to retain a lot of moisture. And uh, and so that's again, it's great stuff to grow things in, but it's just different. And you have to be careful not to overwater. We've got to let it dry out. Yeah, so you, like you don't want to run a drip system three days a week. You want to run it once a week, heavy, and push the salts down, and it'll be a lot happier. Great. And then uh, one more question: We've had a lot of brittle bush come up over the last couple of years, and I noticed just recently that they seem to be dying back. Well, it depends Pretty. when they get water. You know, brittle bush is a wild, okay. spreading seed that spreads everywhere, I and mean, you can see how prolific they are in the desert. And uh, yeah. so if you want to keep some of them lusher and prettier, water them. You know, if you don't water them, they're going to dehydrate and go away, and then they'll come back up from the stem. So if you have some favorite ones there, just put them on a drip system, water them once a week in the summertime, they'll be beautiful. Okay, great. Thanks, Dean. All right, well, thank you. Have a nice Easter. Bye-bye. Oh, Byron's reminding me it's time for a short break. We have to find out with Gabriel what's happening in the world. And uh, right after Gabriel informs us, then you could, you, in the meantime, you can call Byron, actually. The number to call is 602-277-5827. It's Byron, Gabriel, and Brian here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, Sunday, Easter Sunday, on 92.3 FM. 
And you know, Easter is about change. It's change in in our future. Anyway, beautiful day out there today. It looks like we've got a couple lines open. We have Byron back here on the phones and the music. Uh, Give him a call at 602-277-5827. And you could be after, well, you could be number four on the Woodfelder Street Garden Show. Not very long, though. Hey, Jim and Awatuki, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Hey, uh, I have a question, and then uh, I'll tell you why I have this question. Okay. Uh, I have a sediment filter in my water loop next to the water heater, Mm -hmm. and I put it in about five years ago. The sediment or the filter that's in there is supposed to be good for 
30,000 gallons or 90 days. Well, since I've had it, I can, I can see the filter. It's in a plastic casing. So when it starts to get dark and loaded up, man, it's time to change it. And normally, average, you know, it, it can go from four to nine months before I have to change it. But lately, uh, it's, it's faster. It, it fills up faster. And my question is, does the city ever change uh, the aquifer or, or uh, the well that they're pumping from, or they change from one pump station to another. That yeah, comes Jim. To my house. Yeah, it does. And, and what happens is, is that you know, salt, most most of the city of Phoenix water comes from Salt River Project. You know, and that that's okay. that's where it comes from. And so, what what happens with Salt River Project is in the winter time, we use a lot more water out of the reservoirs. Okay, percentage wise, because we're not using as much water in the valley, so we're going to get more lake water. And then, depending on rainfall and storage capacity, and this is all very professionally managed by SRP. Uh, then yeah, we'll I know use, they do a wonderful job. Well, and then we'll use more well water. So, especially in the summertime, like in the winter time when we're not using much water, we can have water with a pH as low as you know seven. 7.2, 7.5, really wonderful yeah. quality water. In the summertime, we have to kick the wells on because, hey, guess what? There's a lot of us here now, and we're going to use more water than the reservoirs can supply without draining them. And uh, so what happens? We kick in and add a lot more well water to our system, and a lot of those wells, they vary, but they're going to have a lot of difference. They're going to have a lot more salts, a lot higher pH, a lot more calcium. And so that's going to go into the water system. Now, it's still all great quality water and it's well managed, you know, but yeah. it's not near as good as the river water is. So there's different times of the year when your pH is going to change a lot. Your calcium ratio is going to change a lot. It's all within parameters and it's very professionally managed. But, yes, there's a big difference. Okay. Well, you answered my question very good. Yeah, um, we've had uh, that filter life has been going on for a while, and it and it varies. But I, I really stand by it. it's not a softener, it's not an RO system. It's just a large sediment filter, and uh, it it really does a good job for keeping our appliances and faucets and things like that minimum uh, build up because calcium build up. But uh, with the changes in the water, I'm thinking, do I have a dirt leak in my system? No, no. You know what? And I'll tell you what. The water managers here in Arizona... You know, have been great for a long time. And you know, we're talking thousands of years people have managed water. You know, and, and we're, oh, yeah. we're basically so fortunate to be here in a place where we're taking over, you know, the native people's, you know, water system here. When they came here, they didn't have to dig the first canals. They said, oh, look, there's a canal over here. Let's clean it out. You know, so this yeah. water system has been done for a long time. But, you know, our future is based on how well we manage it. And we have, you know, things they didn't have. We have wells and we have better materials to build dams with. But, um, you know, aside from that, managing water is everything. I think they do a phenomenal job. Uh, Got to throw the CAP in there, too. They're a big part of our community now as well. But, um, yeah, we're going to have to deal with those things. And if we don't get rain, we deal with them more. Jim, thanks for the call. Bye-bye. Uh, next up, we've got Charles in Phoenix. Hi, Charles. Good morning, Brian. Yes, sir. Um, is it my imagination or does it seem like the fly situation in Phoenix is getting worse? I'm talking about house flies. No. It seems like- no, it's it's not near what it used to be, Charles. Charles, you haven't been here long enough to remember when everybody had more livestock. 
You know, you got livestock Uh-oh. and chickens and things like that. The flies were a lot worse, you know, and they go in cycles. And I'll tell you, if you really want to see flies, come down and visit our farm whenever we put our chicken manure on, you know, 400 acres of citrus. <laughs> so, you know, fly, flies go with the weather, Charles, and there's going to be, you know, more or less here and there at different times and different things. You know, and controlling fly, fly populations is basically controlling places for them to breed. You know, and if you have livestock, if you have trash, if you have a, you know, a compost pile that you let go uh, where it's anaerobic, you're going to have flies. And uh, But I, I got to tell you, historically, it's like I asked my grandfather one time, I said, well, you know, how was it back here in the 30s, you know, with, with the smog and stuff? And he said, you couldn't see half mountain, you know, from Glendale Avenue, you couldn't see South Mountain because everybody had a Ford 9N tractor and was out disking all the time. So our our... Our fly problems a lot less than it has been in the past, and so are you know so so is our air quality better, you know because it's being managed. So aren't there aren't there insects that are benefiting though from our lack of freezes? Like we haven't had freeze good freezes for for a number of years. Right? Absolutely, it changes in cycles, and then insects be, you know, are brought into here, you know, and that brings up another good point: is you don't ever want to bring plants in here from from other places without having inspected by the USDA or the Arizona Department of Agriculture, because you can bring pests in here that can be a huge problem. And a good example of that are white flies. You know, we didn't have white flies here, the sweet potato white fly, until about 1981. And when we didn't have those, you could grow pumpkins here all summer long. So insects move around. They benefit from differences in weather. You know, but the one big advantage we seem to have here with the glassy wing sharpshooter, which spreads the gulagzong disease with citrus, is it seems to die, according to a friend of mine, Louie, who works for the USDA, at 117 degrees with less than 10% humidity. And guess what? We have that almost every year. So that knocks their populations out. So we get a lot of protection, too, from our heat but um, that other people don't get. But when we don't have freezes, we also have bigger, different you know, insect populations. And really, to, to have good insect diversity is the key. So if you have a lot of flowering plants around your house, flower different seasons, what we do is we build up a lot of the good bugs, the predators like pirate bugs and lacewings that can attack and kill a lot of other insects. So nature's a beautiful thing. It balances as, as we care for her. And, uh, you know, it's part of being here. Happy Easter, uh, Charles. Have a nice weekend. And it looks like we got to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we've got two lines open. We're going to come back with Mike, uh, Renee, and Denny. And after that, it could be you in the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. It's our last time to give us a call. So give Byron a call at 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR.
song but we're gonna have to say goodbye here pretty soon i i just asked byron if we could do another hour but he kind of shook his head no you know ktr we actually pay for the time so uh (laughs) hope you enjoyed the program and if you enjoy the program come out and see us and get some trees and stuff i'm I'm able to be here and and, uh, do this because we sell trees and we have such a wonderful group of customers and you know this is a time of rebirth spring is you know here it's easter you know, it's when everything's new. We go through this big transition. And, uh, you know, that being said, if you're ready to transition at your home, come out and see us. We deliver plant and guarantee. We're licensed, bought, insured. We've been growing plants here since my grandparents started back in the 40s. I hope you don't mind some of the corny stories. But, uh, you know, I've had an awfully beautiful life and wonderful opportunity being here. And it's great to be with here on Sunday mornings. Uh, our original store is at 824 East Glendale in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2640 uh, 70 Southern. That's Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And you can visit our big tree farm in Stanfield. That's about a mile south of Stanfield Road, uh, on a, south of Interstate 8 on Stanfield Road. Now, we're open there Monday through Saturday, 7 to 3. Normally, we're open here in the Valley, Monday through Saturdays from 8 to 5.30, Sundays 10 to 4. But we are closed today to be with our families for Easter Sunday. Hope you enjoy the Easter Sunday with your family as well. Um, let's see. Next up, we have Renee and Santan. Hi, Renee. Uh, yes, good morning, Brian. Happy Easter. To you as well. Thank you very much. Uh, Brian, I don't have a question at this time, but I do want to uh, express my... Uh, I just want to say... Thank you for your knowledge, your mannerisms, and answering all these questions, your patience. I truly love your personality. I listen to you every Sunday, and you're just a wealth of knowledge for for us all. Um, And uh, I I truly enjoy your program. I hope you don't go away. (laughs) And also, excuse me. I haven't had my coffee, my morning voice. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's already brewed, but I haven't had it yet. Anyway, um, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, going back to enjoying your your program, your selection of music, uh, uh, why me? I have that at the house, and so many others that I uh, you've played. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, you have a beautiful Sunday, a beautiful Easter. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Renee. You know, and what's what we're all so blessed because I've never yet met a man on this planet I couldn't learn from. You know, and people have all kinds of talents and all kinds of ideas and thoughts, and you know, it's our diversity that makes us so strong. And and you know, every 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 person I've ever met can teach me something. But thank you, and have a nice Easter. Bye bye. Uh, next up, we have Denny in Phoenix. Good morning, Denny. Good morning, Brian. Yes, sir. So, 
Yeah, I planted a uh, desert gold about two years ago, and it's mm-hmm. doing beautifully. I The first year, I think I had about 50 pairs, and I culled that down to 25. This year, I think I have over 200 pairs, and I culled that down to probably 100. And right now, they're about the size of a ping pong ball. And I'm wondering if I need to cull them down even more. Uh, are they going to, you know, what can I do to make them larger, of course, as they mature? So, Dan- Danny, this is a desert gold peach, right? Correct. Okay, yeah. All right, you said Paris. <laughs> Just, but anyway, so um, oh. you're not really thinning them far enough, okay? And uh, you yeah. should you should just thin them down to be less. But you know, I'll remind you right now they're going to be ripe pretty soon. And if they're that large already, I probably wouldn't thin them anymore this season. I'd just thin them more for next year. And you might want to think about that net covering them up because as they ripen, those birds are going to have a party. Yeah, I did that last year as well. You're saying that uh, they're not going to get a whole lot bigger than a ping pong ball this year? Well, no. I mean, right now they've got about another six weeks or so to you know to reach maturity. So they're not going to yeah. make a giant big peach, okay? They, you know, they're going to they're oh. going to probably double in size, you know, or more. And it's going to be yeah. a little different this year because our weather's been such a roller coaster. We'll have to see exactly when they ripen, but that's usually sometime in late May. And um oh, okay. But as far as thinning, you want to thin them when they're like pea size, and right now I wouldn't thin them anymore. Oh, okay. All right. What about the uh, Bartlett pears? I'm well, just the, starting to see a little bitty pears. Yeah, now the pears, out. if you want to thin them and have them be larger. But, you know, they're not usually as prolific as the, as the peaches are, so they don't usually require Absolutely. the thinning. Denny, thank yeah, you. And, far... Thank you, Brian. Yeah, have a nice Easter. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Mike and Gilbert. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Brian. Enjoy your show, and what? happy Easter. Yeah, thank you. A uh, question that I have is, uh, about eight weeks ago, we uh, took advantage of, the, of, of your great Gilbert store, and uh, we, we b- bought a nice uh, red, pash, uh, red pistache. And uh, the tree looks great. It's planted, and, and it's uh, leafing uh, very nicely. Um, I'm wondering if I'm watering it too much. Um, some of the leaves are starting to, like, curl up and kind of darken and kind of shrivel a little bit. I mean, am I am – I, Mike, have you have, sure have, have you fertilized it at all? Not since it's been planted. Okay. No. All right. So here, here's what I would do. And Gilbert, where we have heavier clay soils, you need to water it. You know, it was brand new, so you water it more in the beginning. Okay, and then yeah. you need to kind of back off the water. And realistically, about once every week to ten days is plenty often. Okay. You want to water it heavy oh. when you water it, but then let it get dry in between waterings. You might see a little burning on it from transplant shock. You might also have a little bit of thrip damage, which is a little insect in there that, that attacks the new growth when they first come out this time of year and causes the leaves to curl and burn a little bit. So it might be you know some of either one of those two things that might be making a little difference to the growth. But um, yeah. The- the, the 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 leaves just the leaves just started to do this, and I'm thinking I'm not have just been watering too often. And well, so I, I, yeah, you gave me a good tip about how often to water it. Yeah, so back way off because the water. Yeah, don't keep it wet. It does it. That'll kill it. Oh, okay. Okay. So about once a week, did you say? A good yeah, once once, a, once, week? A, once a week is the maximum, pretty much. And what you want to do is just uh, kind of check your soil because in Gilbert we have such heavy soil and clay. Now you know the first yep. week or two we kind of err on the side of getting the soil well saturated and wet, but at that point we have to back off. And pistachios like to be dry; they don't like to stay wet. And they, you know, with, with our soil in Gilbert, 
um, watering is much less frequent. If you're in a rocky place like up on a hill somewhere, you can certainly water more. But in Gilbert with our heavy clay soil, uh, with red push pistache, you know, really once every week to 10 days is fine all summer, even on a young tree. Okay. Uh, you mentioned some fertilizer. If I did add fertilizer, what would you recommend? Well, I wouldn't fertilize it right now. I'd let it get established, let it get going. You could fertilize it lately at the end of May, uh, lightly at the end of May, which okay. is whatever you have. And if you have like a citrus food, that's fine. As long as it's not weed and feed, it's okay. <laughs> okay. Got it. Perfect. All right. Thanks very much. I, I love the tree. And we're going to get Another one soon. So. All right. Thank anyway, you, Anyway, th- thanks for all you do. Appreciate, Appreciate the it. business as well. Bye-bye. Uh, Richard in Phoenix. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Brian. Oh, Richard, Happy you know Easter. what? Hey, I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to have to take you off the air because we're out of time. Marge and uh, Virginia and whoever's ringing, Mr. Silverman, uh, will take you all off the air as well. Folks, have a happy Easter. And, uh, you know, I love that last song, and I love it because we're responsible for all mankind. And we've got a lot of our brothers who are in very desperate need of help right now. And to be good citizens of this planet, we need to work together as a team. We've got a lot of things to do. They're going to help our future. You know, Easter's always a good time to start new traditions because it's a rebirth. It's a time when when things have changed and we get to see the fact that, you know, from death comes life. And uh, let's go out and enjoy life and, and love each other. And we'll be back with you very, this very next uh, Sunday. And we'll be back with you hopefully next Easter as well. Anyway, have a happy Easter with your family. We'll be back next week with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.